get this thing started here. Thank you. Let me uh, go out. Appreciate it. So uh, we've been doing the series, and it's been awesome. Uh, the Holy Savior. So my piece this week is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, and just kind of like the, this whole series, uh, you know, thanks to Tom uh, and Russ, they said, let's get together and do this. And so, you know, all the speakers, you know, potential speakers got together and you got a chance to kind of pick what you wanted. So I got to the meeting a little late and what I wanted to talk about was already taken. <laughs> and so Tom was like, well, you got this one, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. All right, all right, I'll do that one. And it's amazing how you think you know what you want to do, and then God says, no, you don't need that, you need this. <laughs> this is exactly what I mean. Um, for a lot of reasons. And I'll get into a little bit of it. Um, so to me, it just feels different. And what I mean by feels different is um, when I look around at what's going on in the country, when I look at, at stuff that's going around the world, and you know, I pay attention to this stuff, it feels different for some reason. And coming through like different, like decades of stuff, I feel like I have some sort of, you know, context for it, but it feels different now, what's going on around. So I'm not prophesying anything. I know Tom did, you know, the prophet last year. I'm not doing that, but I'm just saying it feels different. And I was in a meeting yesterday, and it was just like somebody else said the same thing. And I said, bro, I'm so glad you said that because I thought it was just me. Now, it also happened with the two oldest brothers that were on the meeting, but uh, the thing is, is that we had the context of living life for a little while, and it seems different. And so when I try and figure stuff out, and I'm just like, okay, one plus one equals two, and this kind of makes sense, but I'm trying to add stuff up, and it makes like no sense. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? And honestly, if I'm feeling a little bit anxious, trying not to give in the worry, and it's, then I got this call, to do King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I have to study this bad boy out here for a minute. But it's important. And so kind of following up, and I wasn't planned, it just happened to be what Tom talked about. Jesus is the prophet, not just a prophet. And so here in John 15, he says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one 
who sent me. Later in John, Jesus says, all this I have told you so that you will not fall away. It will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. Jesus continues, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. And we know that he prophesied the suffering and we know from the scriptures that's exactly what happened because when he talks about being put out of the synagogue, that's what happened. You can read through Acts and see what happened there. You see Saul persecuting the church and Saul was killing Christians and putting them in jail because he thought he was doing a service to God. That prophecy came true. And so everything that Jesus said came true. But he says, I've told you this for a couple of reasons. One, so that when it happens, you will not fall away. Trouble can have you walk away from God if you're not prepared for it. You'll be like, well, wait a minute. I thought I was supposed to be on the good foot here. What's going on? And you got trouble. You got trouble you may never see before kind of trouble. And he says, I want you to know that it's coming so you do not fall away. And that's awesome about God, because he's not sugarcoating anything. He's saying, look, it can get rough. But I want you to know one thing. He says, I told you this so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. But he says, I have conquered the world. And so that's super important because as the persecution broke out and the churches were being persecuted all around, and this was basically during the Roman Empire era, it was beyond thinking. Like you could think about trouble, but you didn't think you were going to get fed to a lion. You didn't think you were going to get tied to a post and ripped apart by a beer. You thought normal kind of trouble. They might say something about me. They may, you know, go against my family. But no, they, when they said they were going to kill you and put you out, no, they went after first century Christians in a way that nobody had seen before. It was amazingly bad. And so... Within all of that, you have John, who had just talked about this persecution, and Jesus says, in me you have peace. But how do you have peace in that kind of trouble? Like knowing trouble is coming is one thing. Being in trouble is a whole different feeling. I've been in both situations. I've known it's coming, and then I've been in it, and it's, trust me, it's worse to be in trouble than no trouble is coming. 
Like my grandmother would say, I'm coming and you're going to get a spanking. And to tell you how bad that spanking was, I still remember it 60 years later. <laughs> because it's one thing when she says she's coming, but when she shows up with the belt, it's like a whole different, like, okay, you were about to get hurt. So what do you tell Christians that are in that kind of trouble? How do you get them so that they understand, like he said the first time, so I'm telling you this ahead of time, so that when it happens, you understand and you don't fall away, but in me, you have peace. How is that possible? So when I was studying this out, it took me to the book of Revelation. Now, Revelation is one of those books where, I don't know about you, I used to say it's my favorite book in the Bible. And I really have to correct myself. It's not my favorite book in the Bible. I got a few chapters in there that's my favorite chapters in the Bible. Because most of it, I had no idea what they were talking about. No idea. And so, through our experiences, you know, we kind of get like the first three chapters of Revelation, and usually we're somewhere in the Church of Laodicea, and we're talking about being lukewarm, and so it's just, okay, got to repent. And then we switch all the way back over to you know, chapter 20 or whatever, and it's just like the end times, and everything is great. You got the river of water, there's no more pain and suffering, and that's my favorite part of the scriptures. But in between those two things, there's a whole lot of chapters and stuff going on. Because it's hard to understand, I don't know a lot of folks that spend a lot of time in Revelation reading through it. Because it's apocalyptic writing. And it's not something that people do now, right? It's not that imagery, it's not all, we don't do that now. But it was not uncommon in first century. And so when they read Revelation, they got it. They were like, yeah, beasts. Elders, all this wild imagery going on. It was basically code that John was using to get them centered on, focused on what was happening in their life. Now, today, when we read Revelation, because we're far away from the context of it, nobody, as far as I've studied, understands it completely. But you do get some pretty good you get the bottom line message of it though. And so it's been one of those things where it's been a real treat actually to spend some time in Revelation, read through all that stuff I would kind of jump over before. And so we're gonna get into it a little bit. The 10 horns you saw are 10 kings who have not yet received the kingdom but who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with the beast. They have one purpose and will give their power and authority to the beast. They will wage war against the lamb, but the lamb will triumph over them because he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And with him will be his call, chosen and faithful followers. Then the angel said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitutes sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh 
and burn her with fire. For God has put into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to hand over the beast their royal authority until God's words are fulfilled. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. Now, I was at a dinner party last night, and they were asking me, okay, you know, you're doing Revelation. And one person said there, I don't like to read Revelation. It scares me. <laughs> and I'm like, kind of right. It's kind of scary. But here, what they're talking about, at least what John is talking about, is about the Roman Empire. And so when he talks about the prostitute, he's really focusing on Rome. And he's talking about here, you know, all the nations, because again, they ruled so many things. And so when the readers heard this, they got it. Now, John couldn't just write, you know, I'm talking about Rome, and this is what's going to happen because he's already, you know, on an island being separated. If he writes something like that, he'd be killed, and anybody who had the letter probably would have been killed. And so this imagery helps to get the information out without putting everybody in jeopardy. But he brings up something very, very important because again, you gotta remember, he's writing a letter to the churches who are in deep persecution. And so somehow he had to get the message that would be encouraging to people who were suffering. That's what Revelation is about. And so here, he wants them to remember one thing. He says the lamb will triumph over them because he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He's not talking about the future. He's talking about now. God is in control right now. All this stuff you're going through, all this craziness you're seeing, all this suffering, God is in control of it right now. And he says that this is what's going to happen. God is going to win and defeat everybody that's against him. You can be assured of it. He says here, for God has put into their hearts to accomplish his purpose. See, everything that was going on that looked crazy and people were like, where is God? Well, God was right in it. Right in it. He's just like, look, my purpose is going to be accomplished by what's going on right now. Right now. It's not catching me by surprise. It's not like I've got to react. I know what's going on. In fact, I put something in their head to accomplish my goal. What you got to do is stay faithful. You gotta stay faithful. That's your job. I got this. And you got this because I got you. But it's now. See, so much of this stuff for me used to be like future context. But no, God is King of Kings and Lord of Lords now. And everything that's happening is under his control. And so when I take a look at that and I take a look at what's going on now. What did Jesus say? I'm going to tell you about this so it means you may have peace. Yeah. And so since I've been studying this out, I'm a lot more peaceful. Now I know 
If I get, some people say, if I get any more peaceful, I'll be asleep. But I'm telling you, <laughs> inside, I'm peaceful. Because I can look at what's going on and what's happening, and I can think, and I always have to reset it in this context. God is in control. He's in control so much, he said, everything's going on, not only do I know it, some of it I put into, I put it into action. What you gotta do, stay faithful. Do not fall away. Let's see. Let's see. Am I in the same place here and I saw? Is that what you're uh, no, Go again. There we go. There you go. There you go. Okay, so I jumped ahead one. <laughs> I can't go back, right? You got it. <laughs> okay. So I'm at Revelation 19, 17. There you go. There you go. We got it? That's it. Cool. It says, and I saw an angel standing in the sun and cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in the air. Come gather together for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of the kings, generals, and the mighty, of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, great and small. Then I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army, but the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. That's a pretty... You've been beat when all that happens to you. I mean, there's not a whole lot of coming back from that. But the finalization of God's victory is clear. It's like, yeah, you can see all the power that this nation has right now. You can see all the persecution that's happening. But trust me, God is coming, and they will totally be destroyed. And when you take a look at what happened in the Roman Empire, it broke down and it's gone. In fact, the ones that they were killing wound up actually being in control because Christianity became the state religion. And now, if you go into Rome and you go into the Colosseum and you walk in through one of the portals, there's actually a huge cross hanging up in there, which at the time, nobody would have thought that would have even been possible. So that's the place where Christians went to die. And now, Rome, that whole power that they had is totally gone, and the Colosseum where they were once killed is now a place where the cross hangs. When God says something's gonna happen, it happens. You just gotta wait, it's gonna happen. Because he's already said it, he's already done it, it's going to happen. Your job is not to fall away. He says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. 
Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. John says, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them, but we are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. During that time period, there was definitely a, a thought process where God had not come in the flesh, that Jesus was somehow not God. And that was pretty rampant. And that's not too far from a lot of stuff that we hear today. It was like, who is this Jesus? What is this all about? But yeah, whatever, whatever. But John's point, he points again, he says, you have overcome them. Not you will, you have. And why? Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Now, one of the things we don't talk about a lot, but the scriptures do, is that how much we may not like to think about it, Satan rules the world. He's in control. He runs it. Jesus came to, like, destroy all that. And he says, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You see, once you become a Christian and you get the Holy Spirit, God is now in you. God is greater than Satan. We may not always feel that way. We may not say it that way, but we look at what the world is saying and we take that and we begin to doubt God. And that's why people fall away. They stop listening to God. They start listening to the world. And somehow they start believing what the world is telling them. And what God is saying gets distant. And they fall away. John wants to give us a warning about that. But again, this is not a future state for us. He says, you have overcome that. One of the things that we should be as a people of God is super confident. Super confident. And, and it's not built out of arrogance or pride or anything like that. It says that we have a peace that surpasses understanding because we understand something people who are not in God don't. God is in control. God's got this. I know you think you got me, but you don't. God's got me. Yeah. And I'm not saying we don't mourn and we don't suffer and we feel pain. We feel all of that, but we know at the end of the day, it's going to be all good. It's going to be all good. Anything that's happened, if it don't kill me, it's refining my faith. If it does kill me, 
I'm in heaven. <laughs> so you can't win. You can't win. I already beat you. You try to tear me down. You can't. There's no way. And so we should have that inner peace, that inner confidence that no matter what's happening in your life, because let me tell you, and I say it often, if you're not in trouble, trouble's coming. If you're in trouble, it will pass. It will. God's in control. I know physically, when I get up in the morning, it's a new adventure every morning. I never know what my body's going to do to me because I am convinced it no longer belongs to me. I get up and things hurt that never hurt before. I didn't know that could hurt. I didn't know I had it in. I'm like, what is that? I mean, what is it connected to? And why does it hurt? And it's never really encouraging when they're like, I don't know. It's like, look, nah, that's not why I'm paying you, man. You need to know why this. And it's literally, they don't, they don't really know. But it's an adventure. And it's just one of those things that, you know what? You never know what's going to happen. And that's all it's taught me. Just like be grateful that you got up. Yeah. You can move kind of sort of today. Talk to your loved ones. Give them a hug. Keep it moving. You know, when they talked about, like, when we got the message that Phil Lester passed away, I was just like, whoa, I knew he, he had been sick. But Phil was an awesome dude. Phil came from a Jewish background, and he used to just open up the Jewish side of the scriptures in a way that was just like enlightening. It's just like it made stuff so much clearer of what the Bible was talking about. And Phil, coming from a Jewish background, really felt for the Jewish people. He really did. He had them on his heart, prayed about it all the time. It was amazing just seeing it from his point of view. But our job is don't form a link. First John 5, it says, everyone who believes that Jesus Christ is born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. We overcome because we believe in Jesus. And so what happened is, as I began to study this out, and I went through Revelation, I went back and I see Romans, and like Romans, now that's one of the books I love, the whole book, I kind of got it. But when I went back and I read these scriptures in the context of understanding not just God being King of Kings and Lord of Lords in the future, but now, and being an overcomer now, this Romans chapter means so much more to me. I'll try and get through it quickly. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, 
not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life neither the angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from Christ. And he says that, look, what I'm suffering, what we suffer, is nothing in comparison to what we will get. Because there is a future state where we will get that in a body like Jesus, imperishable, will be like Jesus. And we will have that new heaven, that new earth. All that is good, that's a future state. But Paul talks about now in Revelation. Here, it's about John putting those things together. So you've got Paul talking about it. you got John talking about it. And he wants people to understand your victory is now. It's now. He says, nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. He says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Is that the way that you feel? See, we got to fight to get there more than conquerors. Not pushed about by circumstances, not pulled by the wind and the waves, but firmly 
in Christ, understanding I'm a conqueror right now. Right now. I'm in Christ, Christ in me. I don't even know what to pray about, but you know what? The Holy Spirit does. God's got this. Got this. No need for me to be all anxious and worried. That's why you read the scripture and says, do not be anxious about anything. Why? Why shouldn't you be? Because God's in control. Your job is stay faithful. Don't fall away. Going to end up here, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. You see, when they put a crown of thorns on his head, it's just like, okay, you think you won, but the real crown is on his head. It's done. It's all over. Once that crown went on, it's just like, you know what? It's over. Jesus is just like, I'm on the cross. It is finished. It's done. The real crown is on his head. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 through 16, it says, God, the blessed and only ruler, the king of kings and lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives an unapproachable life, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Thank you. Amen.